You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Much appreciated. Alex Varallo will be joining us tonight, but uh, he'll be a few minutes late. Uh, he's got some things going on. Alex has been crazy busy. I said it last week, and uh, we, we haven't talked a whole lot this week. He sent me like a like a picture of the whatever the hell he had going on at work and uh, organizing tons of deliveries for PPE or, or hand sanitizer from, from coast to coast. So busy man doing uh doing some some very important work, but he'll be on shortly. I uh, heard from him a few minutes ago. So, uh, but for tonight's show, uh, we're pretty excited. We're gonna we're gonna have Manish Mehta on. Uh, New York Daily News joins us every now and then. Uh, very generous with his time. Anytime he comes on, and I wanted to have Manish on, not just to talk football, but um, I'm I'd be lying if I said I wasn't uh, intrigued. Um, by the, the 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 blowback he's had ever since this Logan Ryan tweet, uh, was a week and a half ago now, or two weeks, whatever it was. Um, if you missed it, and I'm sure you didn't, uh, but if you missed it, Manish Mehta sent out a tweet saying the Jets were confident, or he spoke to a source, confident that, or he expected, the source said he expected the Jets to get a deal done with Logan Ryan. Uh, Manish commented himself, said that would be a good move by Joe Douglas. And I, I, you know, even myself, when I read the tweet initially, like at first glance, I went, oh, great, they got Logan Ryan. And then I went, hang on, let me, let me look at that again. Because sometimes, you know, you misinterpret, you misunderstand. And I reread it and said, okay, the Jets are expecting to sign this. This doesn't say agreed. This doesn't say have come to terms. This doesn't say you know, pending physical, it just says the Jets expect it to happen. So there are no guarantees, no promises. Um, and ever since, ever since that time, every time I see Manish tweet something out, like these, these Twitter people jump all over him. You were wrong about Logan Ryan. You promised me Logan Ryan was going to be under the Christmas tree. Uh, and you get these sort of maniacal responses that, um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit wild, and that's why I reached out to Manish. And to his credit, you know, I didn't, I didn't lie. I said, "Look, Manish, um, I sent him a message." First of all, Alex Varallo is on the air with us, folks. Alex, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, Glenn? How how we doing, Jet Nation? Great to have you back on, Alex. I know you've been a busy man. I just explained to the uh, the listeners that you've been you've been arranging shipments of uh, of hand sanitizer from coast to coast. Um, so that obviously takes precedence over anything we're doing here. Uh, glad you could join us tonight. And was just explaining that we've got Manish Mehta coming on later. And I said the reason I reached out to Manish is because I can't help but uh, shake my head when I, I see how, how much people hate him. Um, and listen, if you want to dislike a guy, that's fine. You want to dislike a writer, a player, a coach, a fan, what is, that, that's fine. Um, but but the, the thing I find funny is the, um, the people keep insisting that he promised Jet fans Logan Ryan, which he never did. 
Um, he said he spoke to somebody and that somebody said they were confident the deal would get done and the deal hasn't been done. And, and the, the other funny side of it is that they also didn't not sign him. Like Logan Ryan is still out there and Logan Ryan, for those of you who saw, I'm sure many of you saw, went on the NFL network the other day just to come on and talk. And, uh, players don't generally do that. Unless they're trying to send up a, a, you know, shoot up a flare to the rest of the league and say, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. Uh, nobody signed me yet. And what I, what I take from that is that the guy isn't getting the offers he wants. He wants to drum up interest. I mean, when Logan Ryan starts that segment and they go, hey, Logan, did you know that you're the only defensive back since Rod Woodson to have four sacks and four this and this many tackles? And he goes... Oh, really? I had no idea. You better believe he knew that. And I'm sure that was part of the deal for him to come on the show, was you better be sure to mention that this guy is one of only two players in history to do what he did last year. They're trying to pump his market, and I get that. That's what you do. But the fact that the Jets are interested, the fact that Maida Source told him they expect a deal, and by the way, for some reason, no one seems to be upset. Maybe they didn't hear it. If you listen to Rich Samini's podcast from last week, which I highly recommend, um, Rich Samini said, I expect a deal to get done between Logan Ryan and the Jets. Um, Ian Rappaport said that sides are talking and a deal would make sense. So Rappaport says they're talking, it would make sense. Samini says he thinks it's going to get done. Maida says a source told him he thinks it's going to get done. But the only one people are freaking out over is Manish Maida. No one talks about Rich Samini. No one's mad at Ian Rappaport. It's just Manish, and it's this... uh, this narrative of uh, he, you know, and I see it all the time. And, and if you're not on the forums on JetNation.com, get on the forums on JetNation.com, most active message board on the internet. Um, and and I apologize for going long here, Alex. But uh, but what w- w- what are your thoughts? What do you think? Do you did you read that tweet from Manish Mehta, Alex? And did you think, yes, Logan Ryan is officially a Jet. Let's pencil him in on the depth chart. The secondary just got that much better. Did you say that? Or did you say, oh, okay, it looks like the Jets are interested and they feel like it might happen? What was your response? Uh, you know, I was a little, uh, I don't know, I didn't want to get myself too excited when I first saw it because uh, this isn't the first time we've seen, you know, someone, you know, from the beat side or even from the NFL network, net, you know, side, uh, you know, rumor something and then it doesn't seem to happen and, and it it's just something that, you know, I believe happens every off season, um, you know, deals are talked about deals go through. So uh, I, I wasn't getting too, my hopes up too high when I, when I first saw it, because I just saw, you know, sources and it didn't say that, you know, a deal is coming down or anything like that. It just says that, you know, he was kind of preluding that the jets and them are in conversation and, and there's a possibility that this deal gets done at some point. So uh, you know, a lot of people misread that, and, uh, you know, apparently those are the ones that are uh, completely upset. They felt like they were lied to the way that they feel, you know. Uh, I guess that's sour grapes for them. Uh, but, uh, you know, you go back and you read exactly what he wrote. It's not like, you know, he, he put out there, they signed him for a one-year deal for $9, 10000000 you know, nothing concrete. So uh, I didn't fall for it. Um, I'd like it to happen, don't get me wrong. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I understand that, you know, we, we have a tight budget. We have to wait till June 1st to get some more money on our salary cap. And, you know, it all depend on 
where this team or where the front office feels we're at, if we need to improve the offensive side or if we still need to improve the defense here. So, uh, again, I, I'd, I'd like it to happen, but if it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to get too worked up or over upset or mad at Manish for it because uh, he's not the first person that this has happened to, and it definitely won't be the last. Yeah, and, th- and that's part of my point, Alex, is it, it hasn't happened yet because – that, that was part of the point I was making, that Logan Ryan is still campaigning to get someone to sign him. So what I'm taking away from that, if if what Manish is saying, if what the person who spoke to Manish is true, or what he said about him feeling confident, that could simply be the Jets. I mean, sometimes teams have a really good feel for the market for a player. And maybe the Jets are sitting back and they know. Or maybe, again, maybe they have a really good feeling that the offer they've made to Logan Ryan is not up to what the, the standard that Logan Ryan wants, but they may also know that it's one of the better offers he's got. And you have to imagine if all offers are in the same ballpark, the Jets do have a good shot because he's a local guy. So this could simply be Joe Douglas and the Jets front office, the Jets brain trust meeting and saying, look, we like Logan Ryan. We don't love him. We're not going to blow him out of the water. But sure, we would love to have him for $7 million, and our feeling around the league is that two or three other teams have offered him similar money, but if he wants to come home, we got a better shot, so we feel good about this. We're going to sit back and wait. We're not going to bid a one penny more than we feel he's worth, and if he wants to come back to us in a couple of weeks and say, I'll sign, then great, and if not, we'll move on. It's, any, it's a one-year deal. It, Logan Ryan isn't the difference between a Super Bowl or the playoffs. Or, you know, whatever. He's a good player. He can do a lot of different things. But I, I, I just think this is Joe Douglas and the Jets looking at the market, looking at the player, deciding on a number, and saying, we think we could get him at this number if we just wait him out. And maybe they all nod and agree and go, yeah, I think we can do it. Okay, Logan, uh, $7 million, $8 million, whatever, one year. Let us know when you've decided. And then they all just go, okay, we're going to sit back and wait. No need to panic. But we like our chances. And then Manish talks to a source, and the person says, we made an offer to Logan Ryan, and we like our chances. And Manish tweets out, Jets like their chances of getting Logan Ryan. And he doesn't sign the next day, and everybody's all over Manish's Twitter. You lied to me. Oh, you were wrong again. How could you do this? Why do you have a job? And it's, it, it's unbelievable, really, um, on a lot of levels. And like I said, if, if you don't like Manish Mehta, that's fine. Listen. I'm a parent. I tell my kids, look, I love you, but there's 7 billion people on the planet. Some people are going to hate you. Some people want to kill you. Like, that's, this is life. There's crazy people out there. I don't care if you like, love, whatever. To each his own. But when you base it on, like, your misinterpretation of what someone said, then, you know, that, that's, that's the problem. You know, I'm, I'm angry at this person because I didn't understand something they very clearly, you know, uh, well, I'm going to say articulated, but, you know, but they, they tweeted out, which I, you know, I guess he did articulate it. But, but either way, um, I, I reached out to Manish and I said, Manish, I think this is hilarious. Um, the number of people who, who cannot stand you and who come after you on Twitter because of things. You, and, and, and even even the stuff he gets wrong. And we'll talk about this when he comes on, Alex. But is there a writer that you know of that gets everything right? Is, is there a source anywhere that never reports something and goes, oh. Something changed that didn't happen. I mean, it, it, 
what, what I hear people say is, uh, you know, when Manish is right, he was lucky. When he was wrong, it's proof he has no sources. Instead of like, oh, look, he's got sources that give him these stories that he's right. But when he's wrong, that's, that's proof. So anyway, it's, it's, a bit of, it's, it's almost like a Manish derangement syndrome. Um, so we'll have him on in a little while. And we'll talk well, about that. About We're also going to talk about – sorry? Right now, there's an unverified source claiming that the Jets are very close to making a trade for Odell Beckham Jr. And Twitter's falling for the bait yet again. Um, this Sportsline account has been that? active since February with about 37 followers, and people are just drinking the Kool-Aid right now. So that Alex, kind of tells you about how, you know, imp- you know, how people can just be fooled so easily these days. It's it's unbelievable. I, I've never done it. I've never sent out a tweet. I mean, and it would be so easy. I've talked to people about this. I, you and I may have talked about it. I've, when you see how many people jump on a rumor from, as you said, not even an unverified account, like an account that didn't exist 10 minutes ago. Like you said, you got 30 followers, half of them probably your friends, and you tweet out the Jets are about to sign this guy, and it blows up. Nobody, I mean, give me a break. Listen, you and I are far from, you know, we're bloggers. As as I like to refer, we're dopey bloggers. We're a couple fans. We love the team. We love to talk about the team. We love to write about the team. But we at least, being being a part of a site that's, you know, granted we're not credentialed through the season, but we're credentialed at training camp. I could make stuff up out of the blue if I wanted to. And now if I did it too often, people might catch on. You could do it. And that would have a little bit more credibility. Oh, look, here's a guy with a Jets website that's been around for, for you know, nearly 15 years. And they, they have access to, to training camp. And they, they speak to some of the beat guys. Oh, they must have some inside info. And we, we could, listen, we could have thrown out five or six names this offseason of guys we thought they were going to sign. And all you got to do is hit on one or two. How many times did we talk about Connor McGovern as a guy we thought they'd go after? Could have thrown that out there. Yeah. And then he would have signed. Go, oh, see, told you my source was right on that. And you can just make it. But <laughs> I, I, I can't do that. I can, I've right. seen people do it. I've seen bloggers do it. I've seen nobody sites that no one's ever heard of do it. And I just, I just can't well, relate to it. What about the whole um, um, Jack Conklin thing, how that the Jets are very, very close. Oh, and like my God. They're the favorites for him. And then, you know, two hours later, his agent says something completely opposite. And then. Next thing you know, you got reports about how much the Jets love Chuma Adoga, and then they signed Fant and draft Makai Becton. So, you know, yeah, well, I, you I never really I can think tell that, what these, these teams are going to do. Yeah, sometimes it is a matter of reading the tea leaves. I think I think with the uh, the Conklin thing, I I would still be shocked if there wasn't real interest there because you look at the money they gave Fant versus the money Conklin got, and Conklin is the more established, better player. I'd be surprised if the Jets weren't in on him. But the thing that blew me away was all this talk about how the Jets were – who was it? Somebody said they were prepared to make him the highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history. Like they were going to give this guy like $20 million a year. And what did he sign for, $12 million? Whatever, $11 million? Um, so clearly that wasn't the case. I, would I be surprised if the Jets called and made a competitive offer and he chose you know, a different team? No, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But the talk of like, oh, these plugged-in guys with sources – are saying the Jets are going to offer this guy the biggest deal in NFL history for a lineman, and then he ends up signing for like eight million or eleven million, twelve million, and then the Jets, you know, they go out and sign Fant for eight million uh, or eight eight point something guaranteed. So it's all just it's crazy stuff. 
People put crazy stuff out there, and and people buy it. You know, uh, there was a guy a few years ago, like I don't even I don't even want to talk about it because people are gonna like look the guy up, and he's he, just crazy predictions. And the, all someone does is they 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 get a Twitter account, they film themselves walking down the street and say, uh, "My uncle works for the Jets, and he said they're gonna do this," and people go crazy. Oh, this is awesome. Do you have any more info? Like they start asking questions for more specifics. And it's just somebody screwing around. But anyway, enough about that, that jackassery. Um, it's, uh, we're we're going to cover the, uh, the undrafted free agents with Manish. We're going to go, we're going to talk about a few different things. Like I said, the, the Logan Ryan thing, the Twitter trolls, the undrafted free agent class, which I was interested to see that the, uh, the signing bonuses were, became public today. And that's always a good indicator as to how much they like a guy. And we'll talk about, like I said, this will come up later with Manish, but, uh, um, Huff got the biggest deal, uh, the biggest guarantee at ninety grand. Um, Hilbert's got sixty-two grand, so he did all right for himself. Um, the guy probably that that surprised me the most, I would say, uh, of the whole group was um, who was it that got the uh, the Alabama safety? Who honestly, his name escapes me. I've, I've, I watched him and I just thought, I don't like this guy's chances of making the roster. Um, and he ended up. They gave him a a pretty solid a pretty solid signing bonus. Um, if you could help me out, Alex, I'm I'm forgetting the dude's name. Carter. What's his first name? Shyam Carter. Shyam Carter. Um, yeah, they gave him. He got like the second biggest bonus, which really surprised me. Um, but maybe they see him as a sort of a versatile guy because I just look at him and think he uh, you know he doesn't move. He, he's, he's, he doesn't have the the speed to play you know DB in the NFL, but. If they're going to use him like a situational chess piece type of guy where, no, he's not going to get a starting role, but he's going to get a, a look elsewhere in multiple roles um, to fill in and just kind of keep defenses or keep offenses on their toes, maybe Shyam Carter's a guy. But he, I probably – when I sat down and looked at the free agents and read scouting reports and went back and watched a couple of their games for each guy, Carter, I came away as the guy that I thought, nah, I think he's the least likely to make it. Um but apparently the Jets like him because they gave him. They gave. Him, I, I think Hilbers was was at the top of my list initially, when I just when I when I at first glance, um, I said he had a really good shot to stick around. Um, but now it's kind of Hilbers and Huff. After watching some more of Huff, I think they have shots. And with the receivers, I think it's going to be about health. Um, they have some intriguing tools, even if it's practice squad. You know, for those guys, I think that you have an opportunity. You know, guys that have some you know unique skill sets, com- nice combinations of size, speed. We you know we we've, we've talked a little bit about the the sort of almost the, the very otherworldly you know uh, catch to touchdown ratio that George Campbell had at West Virginia, average a touchdown like every two point something catches, something ridiculous like that. Um, Lawrence Cager, the bigger guy, six five, two twenty with just really, really strong hands, good, you know, good guy, red zone type target as a big guy with who can, you know, wrestle the ball away from guys. So, so definitely some guys there that are, that are worth watching, but early on, I thought the, I thought Hilbers had the best shot, then watched a little more Huff and Huff and Hilbers were kind of my top two guys. And, uh, and we'll see, we'll see how that unfolds. We'll talk to Manish about that. Uh, but one thing I want to talk about tonight, Alex, and you've been so busy and I've been a little bit busy myself. We haven't talked a ton about what we would cover tonight. So if I, if I ambush you with anything, I do apologize. But um, oh, one, one rumor, actually, I wanted to cover, Alex, because this, this came from a, a legitimate source. Uh, 
as far as I mean, uh, Michael Silver's Bleach Report, um, you know, that you're talking about a verified guy with a million followers on Twitter or 100,000, something like that. Um, he's claiming that the Seattle Seahawks have made an offer to Devontae Freeman that he's, he's sleeping on. Um, but it said the Jets have also shown some interest in him. Um, so I don't know if he means that they had previously, um, but not with the whole Frank Gore thing now. Because, I mean, where the hell would you put him? He's a fourth running back at this point. Um, with, with, with Perrin, Gore, Bell, if you had Freeman, um, that's just – that's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get the. I wouldn't get the logic there. But um, it's possible. Silver's is throwing that out there. Is the Jets as a team that previously showed interest? But any thoughts on Freeman? Because he's coming off of his worst season, but he was sort of a a, a big play guy, averaged four point eight, four point nine a carry a couple years ago. Any thoughts on him? Do you think he's somebody the Jets would or should go after? Yeah, I've always. Um liked Freeman. I think he's a good player. Um, unfortunately, the last couple of years, he's just having, uh, kind of finding himself being injured, you know, with different ailments here and there. And, um, I believe, you know, it's a uh, lower leg, knee and ankle and things like that. So wear and tear on the body, just like a normal running back. Uh, but you know, I think his, his better days are gone at this point. Uh, I think in a, in a committee role, um, you know, as you stated, maybe he's a backup, but it's kind of hard, you know, he's fallen pretty far to, to be a number one uh, running back, and now he's he's looking for, you know, backup duty. So things can change in the NFL for certain players. I mean, look at Cam Newton, you know. Um, guy was a starting franchise quarterback, you know, a couple months ago, and, and now he's unemployed. Um, so, you know, I know Devontae Freeman was a household favorite down in Atlanta, but, you know, your your best ability is availability, and that's something that he's had trouble with. So, it, you know, it's a little concerning because um, this is the first time I'm, I've heard of that. And, uh, you know, it just makes me wonder exactly, you know, what's this Joe Douglas guy's, uh, you know, directive here? You know, he, he's brought in some, some young talent. He's brought in some mid-age talent. And then he seems to keep cherry-picking some older guys near the back end of their careers. And it's it's kind of odd. You know, most GMs try to build teams, you know, for the long term. And, you know, thus far he's made a lot of one-year deals. And um, last year he brought in a couple of veterans, and this year he's brought in some, some veterans as well. Uh, so it's definitely interesting, you know. Um, I can't see it happening, but, uh, you know, because we still have Trenton Cannon under a rookie deal, which is, is lucrative, but, you know, maybe Joe Douglas doesn't see a future for him. Uh, you know, he brought in Kenneth Dixon, which I think was tied to him back in Baltimore. So I would almost think that he would be our number three, number four or I guess at number four, if we have, uh, you know, LaMichael Piran, you know, right behind Gore, I assume. So uh, pretty interesting. Um, if that does happen, um, I'd like to see, you know, where the chips fall and, and who gets the ax um, in the event that something like that would happen. But it almost seems like that's not where money should be allocated at this point. Um, you know, if there was a receiver that they feel could work in our system, I'd be fine with a move like that. You know, there's been a lot of talk about, the guard Warford um, down in from New Orleans, who just recently got cut by the Saints. So a lot of people want to bring him in because, you know, everybody wants Sam Darnold to go unscathed this season, which I understand. But, uh, yeah, that, that that's definitely very intriguing that he's on the uh, rumor, rumor radar. 
Yeah, and Alex, I'm glad. It's funny, uh, having just said we didn't talk about the, the topics we were going to cover this week, and then you uh, you touched a little bit there on the, the one-year deals that Joe Douglas is giving out. And, uh, I mean, there, there have been a ton of them. You got Bashad Perryman. You got Josh Doxson. And even guys who who have come, you know, like George Fant on a long-term deal, but it's a deal you can cut him after one year. So, for all intents and purposes, he's on a one-year deal. Um, Frank Gore is on a one-year deal. And there were just there were so many guys that were brought in that everyone you know Pierre Desir is a big one because he you know he plays a critical position premium position and if he plays well obviously you know he's a guy that'll get an extension. Jordan Jenkins surprisingly to, to me anyway I thought he would get a longer deal somewhere else, mm-hmm. uh, but he got a one year deal. Burgess comes back on a one year deal. So all these guys cool. you know Van Roten even even Van Roten three year deal but he can be let go after one year. So tons of one-year deals up and down the roster, which everyone likes from the perspective, you know, like, hey, we can, you know, you can just cut bait with the guys that don't pan out and extend the guys who do play well. You know, guys that show they can play in your system and this, that, and the other. But isn't the downside to that, Alex, that, I mean, what type of players do you generally get on cheap one-year deals? You're getting guys that no one else is that interested in. And so you're kind of... You know, and I said this about Joe Douglas a couple weeks ago, that between the draft and free agency, especially the draft, and we talked about this, that he really is gambling on himself at the receiver position because there were so many guys there that were highly touted that he passed on um, and then ended up going with just one receiver in Denzel Mims, of course, and then taking a couple of undrafted guys. But really, Joe Douglas is betting on himself in a big way all over the place where he's saying, look, I'm going to bring these guys in, and I'm going to watch them for one year up close. Some of them are going to pan out. Some of them aren't. But it's almost, I don't want to say it's an outward admission, but this isn't what you do when you're trying to compete for a playoff spot. You don't say, I'm going to bring in 13 guys to audition. It's almost like, I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to say he's writing the season off. Because, look, some of these guys could really, you know, in a, like I said, Pierre Desir pans out. That's that's a huge get. That's huge. Because, listen, you've got to have that corner. You've got to have that number one corner. And even if he ends up being a two, you know, you get him to play well enough that you either re-sign him or if there's a crazy asking price, you let him walk, and then there's the possibility of a, of a comp pick down the road. Rashad Perriman, listen, everyone loves the fact that he's you know, runs this four two nine forty or whatever it is. But when you stack him up against Robbie Anderson, you're talking about a guy who had four or five good games as a pro. Um, I mean, just look at his numbers side-by-side with Robbie Anderson. And Robbie is far superior player in terms of just sheer production. And Joe Douglas did that. But it's, it's, I, I like the approach in that there's not a lot of commitment and you're not pouring a bunch of money into unproven guys. But when you start to get as many one-year deals as they're adding, it's like they're just they're really signing a lot of guys who aren't drawing interest elsewhere. And you mentioned Larry Warford. He's, he's a great example of a guy that we all, myself included, the minute he was cut, I was like, hang on a minute. This guy's, this guy's under 30 years old with 28, and he's a multiple-time pro bowler. There's no way he's anything other than a modest upgrade from Brian Winters 
Even if it's not an enormous upgrade, it, he's better. And then you start hearing that the price tag is identical. The cutting winter saves you 7.2 when Warford is looking for $7 million. So you wonder, why are the Jets making a move here? But then you realize nobody's making a move here. I understand maybe it's the physicals, whatever it may be. But this is a 28-year-old, three-time Pro Bowl lineman. You would think someone would roll the dice. You would, think, you would think the Saints would have been able to call somebody and say, hey, listen, will you give us a six for this guy? Can we have a draft pick? They didn't even bother doing that. They just cut him. So I'm starting to wonder if there's something there we don't know about in Warford. But also looking at the, the upcoming season and wondering, you know, with Joe Douglas's approach, is this sort of a, an admission that, I know we're not going to win now, so I'm just going to sign a bunch of guys to audition, almost, almost like a, like a, uh, like I guess I mean audition would be the best word, you know, little little 16 game tryout for a few guys to see if they fit Adam Gase's system, to see if they fit Greg Williams' system. Um, so while it may net some comp picks and it may, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of these guys will pan out and they'll turn out to be bargains and you'll be, you know, you'll have exclusive rights to have the opportunity to to negotiate a longer-term deal after this season. But does it worry you, Alex, when you, when you look at the, the number of one-year deals that are piling up, and especially if they, you know, if they do add another one in Logan Ryan and give him a one-year deal? You know, you're talking about 8, 9, 10, 11 guys who are basically here for one year, and then you look forward to next season, and it, you know, at the moment I think they have like 30-some players under contract um, with a bunch of guys, as we know, who are likely to be let go. Um, you know, meaning there'll be a whole lot more work to do again next off season. What, what are your thoughts on that, Alex? Yeah, you put it right there because uh, he's setting himself up to, to have a very, very busy 2021 off season. Uh, there are no long-term deals here. So he, he's put together a team for this year, but, um, you know, there's going to be a, a, a massive overhaul next year. Uh, you know, we're anticipating to have a lot more money on the salary cap. And, you know, hopefully we're going to be allocating that for our premium, you know, first round picks that we've had and, and Darnold and, and Jamal Adams and you know, players like that. But, uh, yeah, what we see today, a lot of these guys are, are probably going to be on new teams next year, unless if they really, really ball out and Joe Douglas says, all right, let, let, let's do something before the end of 2020. And, you know, we'll give you a three year or two year extension, something like that. So, there's going to be a lot of change, um, I assume, going into next year. And um, I don't know how that's going to affect the team because, you know, a lot of these players uh, or a majority of these players are on the offensive side. So how does that work out for Sam Darnold? Um, he's got a lot of new starters coming onto this team that he's got to get familiar with this year. And it could happen to where, you know, 60 75% of these players that are on offense that have been brought on for the offensive side this year could be gone by next year. And then he's going to have to, you know, build new chemistry with a whole bunch of new players. Um, you know, you, you named it there with all his wide receivers. Um, I think currently the only people that have, you know, contracts after this season are, are Mims and Crowder. Everyone else could be, com- could be gone by next year. So uh, I don't know if that's the, the best plan for Sam um, to, to grow with certain players. I think that's why, uh, a lot of people wanted another wide receiver from this draft. And, you know, we wanted to have, you know, foundation pieces on the offense for Sam moving forward. 
Now, I'm not going to say that, you know, Mims doesn't have the potential to be a rock-solid number one. That could definitely happen. We can't rule that out. Uh, but he might end up being a strong two, which is not the worst thing in, in you know, in the world either uh, with a second-round pick, uh, especially when people were saying that they had first-round grade on him. So uh, I, I'm not sure, you know, we'll have to see how this all comes together um, and, and how quickly uh, our coaching staff can get everybody on the same page, uh, you know, and it's not like it's different for the Jets. Every team is going through this with the whole virtual process. And, you know, this week they've decided to open up some facilities and they're easing their way back into players, uh, you know, coming together, but you have to be safe with this whole thing. Cause uh, you know, we can't afford to, you know, have odd injuries or ailments like we did last year. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the things that Joe Douglas has done thus far. Uh, you know, he hasn't overpaid anybody, um, you know, kind of like Mike McCagney did in the past or went after particular positions that we didn't really need. Uh, but, yeah, it is interesting to see what is his long-term plan. Where does he see this team in 2021 and 2022? Uh, you know, maybe he's just – going to unload some players at the end of the season and try to get some more draft picks. And, and then next year, 2021 will be the year where he solidifies a whole foundation to move forward with. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because like I said, just, just the sheer number. Um, and again, as I said, I understand some of these guys, you know, players who perform well will be retained uh, going into next season. But if, if guys don't pan out as you hope, um, as a matter of fact, just taking a quick peek right now over the cap.com, uh, they currently have 42 players uh, as being under contract for the Jets next year who are under contract this year. And some of these guys are just, I mean, we're talking, some of these guys are current undrafted free agents. I'm, I'm going to run you through the list, Alex. Let, let's, let's do this real quick. Um, and, and, we'll, and we'll go through and we'll try to, we'll try to keep a tally here of who hangs around and who gets cut. Um, C.J. Mosley, he'll be around next year, uh, no doubt. We're, we're talking 2021 as in next year, not this upcoming season. Uh, for my money, Le'Veon Bell's gone. If Le'Veon Bell wins the rushing title, he's gone. I don't think Adam Gase wants to pay him that money. Uh, Jamison Crowder, I think he stays, even though they would save a ton of money. If they cut him, it's a $10 million savings. But I think he, as long as he plays well, he's not going anywhere. Um, so you've got Mosley, you've got Crowder, Jamal Adams. Let's assume Jamal stays. Um, I'm, I feel pretty safe saying Sam Darnold's not going anywhere. Um, they've got Quincy Nunwa on there. He's going to be gone. Henry Anderson, unless he is a monster, he's going to be gone. He's due, He's an $8 million savings. Um, George Fant, I'm, I'm torn on that. If, 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 if Makai Becton does fine at left tackle and Fant doesn't win the right tackle job, then he'll be gone. That's the seven million savings, and him sticking around is far from a guarantee beyond this year. So Fan could be gone. McGovern will stay. Quinn and Williams will stay. Alex Lewis probably stays. Van Roten could stay, could go. He's so cheap. There's really no harm in having him around his depth. Ryan Griffin, I'm sure he's not going anywhere. Nathan Shepard, same. Thomas Hennessy, long snapper. As long as he does his job, he's staying. Hearns will be around. Chuma Doga. We'll say yes, but I want to talk about that again uh, later on in the show. Trevon Wesco, uh, again, kind of, I, I think he sticks around. Fadakasi sticks around. Trenton Cannon, he's probably gone. Blake Cashman, if he gets hurt again, 
I think he'd be gone. Now you're getting into John Franklin Myers, Ahmad Gooden, Jimmy Murray, Mike White, Shyam Carter, Bryce, all the undrafted guys. I mean, you could literally have 25 to 30 guys currently on the roster who will be around next year, Alex. Because there's a lot. Once you get down to all the undrafted guys, and, you know, Anthony Anthony Kiofi, the safety that they took out of Canada, Wyatt Ray, the linebacker out of Boston College, who's, who's probably just, you know, a camp body. Joe Douglas, people thought he had a lot to do this offseason. Next year could be a lot worse. Um, you know, we'll see who sticks around, who doesn't. But it's gonna be it, it's gonna be you know some busy busy times for him. And and I you know I, I we'll we'll touch on it now, Alex. Um, as I mentioned earlier, JetNation.com forums, best best forums on you know NFL forums on the internet, most active Jets message board. Uh, people are pretty crazy in there. You get some great great folks. Um, you get some maniacs. You get some people who you know. Some people just like to agitate. But for the most part, you're talking about really good people. And, um, and I asked the question in there the other day, and some people thought it was absolutely preposterous. And, and Alex, you can be honest with me. Tell, tell me if I'm being nuts here. Um, but Chuma Odoga, the general feeling on him is that he's got the tools to play in the NFL. He's got the tools to play tackle. He's got the feet. Physically, he's just lacking. You know, he's got to get stronger. And when I went back and looked... Because I knew there were questions about his work ethic. So when I went back and looked it up, I was able to find four or five different either websites. You know, uh, like a, there was a USC website. There was a tweet from Matt Miller from Bleacher Report. His was probably the most damning. Uh, Matt Miller said he knew of at least 10 teams that took Adoga off their board before the draft because of concerns about work ethic. Now, Joe Douglas didn't draft this guy. And... If he shows up to camp, if, if the work ethic issues hold true and Chuma Doga needs to have a fire lit under him, but there's no one there to light that fire and he takes it easy this offseason and he shows up still not having the functional strength to play in the league, is it completely nuts to think that Joe Douglas might say, look, I didn't draft this guy and he's not putting in the work so he can leave now? I mean, they did it with Ja'Kai Polite. Why wouldn't they do it with Doga? If he doesn't put in the work, and again, when I, when I was a, when I was able to find as many you know uh, statements as I was that knocked the Doga, I started to wonder like could all these people be wrong? Because this is there's a lot of folks saying that there's a concern here with this guy's work ethic and his commitment. If that's the case, is it nuts to say that this guy might just end up you know being shown the door? And uh, and I mentioned Blake Cashman. I threw him in there too in the conversation. Only because, again, he's another guy the team didn't draft with a lengthy injury history in college. Are they going to keep him through another couple injuries, or is Blake Cashman a guy who's one injury away from being cut? What do you? Am I crazy to suggest that, Alex? Or in your mind, is Chuma Adoga like a 70, 80, 90, 100% chance to make this roster? I think his percentage of making the roster is pretty high at this point. Um, if he doesn't show show much improvement from you know last year to this year uh, I anticipate the Jets to have a little bit more of uh, bigger sets this year uh, you know bringing in an extra tackle for the run game and things like that 
Uh, the Jets didn't do that a lot in the, the first half of the season, and then we did see some progress in the second half when they started doing that. Um, I think their hand was forced due to injury maybe, but plan to try to develop a better run game this year. I'd like to think that, you know, he's going to be incorporated in some facet. Um, I don't think he's going to win a starting job, uh, but I do think that he could possibly see <coughs> excuse me, anywhere from maybe 10 to 15, you know, snaps a game depending on how the game flow is going. You know, obviously things are going well for the offense and, we actually have a lead and we have to run the clock out a little bit. We might see a little bit more of him on the field, but uh, at this point, you know, the only guys that I could clearly say that are tied to Joe Douglas are, you know, some of these one-year contracts, which we know aren't long-term and his draft picks. Those are really his guys. Um, Everybody else is just, he's absorbed. So I can't see him having any true alliances um, to anybody. And, you know, as, as crazy as it may seem, we, we all anticipated that Brian Winters would be gone at this point, and he's still here. Um, so kind of can't get a real good read on, on what's going on with Joe Douglas at this point because um, we all had it in our heads, you know, that, that he was a goner, Brian Winters. And, you know, we don't know if, if that's going to happen. Um, you know, we get a little bit more money. We get a little bit more wiggle room. You know, there's players out there, kind of premium players that are still not signed at this point that, we might have enough money to throw at. Um, you know, a lot of people are going after Jadavion Clowney, still trying to rumor that. I don't know how we're going to sign our rookie class um, and him for when we have $15 million left, but you get $11 million back June 1st on Tremaine Johnson's cut. And if you do part ways with Winters, you're talking about getting $18 million back. And you can really, really uh, make things interesting. Um, we might be able to maybe get a Warford and a Logan Ryan after all this. So that would be very, very interesting. But as far as some of these younger guys um, that were from the McCagnan system, uh, you know, they're, they're probably all going, you know, either make it break it years um, for the long term. Uh, I could totally see some of the guys that you mentioned parting ways if they don't show any improvement, but as far as the salary caps concerned and, you know, you're, the most lucrative deals that a GM can, can have are his rookie contracts. So, you know, that might be the only leverage that some of these players still have. Yeah. I think that it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see play out because, you know, as, as I mentioned, as you mentioned, when, when you get these guys who aren't, you know, weren't brought along by the previous regime. Now, the one thing we've heard with Adoga is that Gase was a big Adoga guy. <clears throat> and, um, and and not even that. I think it was more because Gase be, kept giving him, you know, started him at right tackle, then moved him to the left. He, it, it seemed that Adam Gase was, was giving him, kept giving him the first shot to, to succeed. Whereas, you know, I, I, w- I would argue that uh, while he was certainly not Anthony Munoz, um, I would think at, at, at least up to last year, I would say Quale was still a better player than than uh than Adoga is because Adoga was real I mean he had stretches where he wasn't doing anything right and Quale at least to me was a was a better better run blocker where the Jets needed some help but either way we'll see what happens there but I don't think like I said there were a few people that thought it was just absurd to even ask the question um, and I think I think some people perceived it as me suggesting 
oh, well, now that the Jets have signed some offensive linemen, they're, you know, this is now the greatest O-line ever, and we can just start cutting guys, um, which is not at all what I was saying. My, you know, my, uh, my position was that, and, and it, it was how I phrased the question, you know, are there any concerns with, with Adoga's work ethic? And if so, um, could that be a reason he doesn't make this team? Because, again, wasn't picked by this regime. And and there's no reason why they wouldn't, or I don't think there's a reason why they would hesitate to let him go. And as I said, we saw it with uh, with Jakai Polite. And by the way, Alex, do you know Jakai Polite is still in the NFL? Really? Yes, I did not I know, know that. that I... He's still collecting uh, eight hundred forty thousand uh, dollars off our cap this year in dead money. I do know that. Yeah, he uh, he 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 caught on with the Seahawks. Right after the Jets left, or right after the Jets let him go, and uh, and then he didn't last very long there. Just a few days ago, I was just curious. I said, "Did anyone pick him up?" And of course, you know, at the moment, rosters are at like a thousand. So uh, you know, guys guys tend to get picked up that may not have been picked up otherwise. And yeah, he's uh, he's currently with the Rams. He's he is a member of the the Los Angeles Rams at the moment. Um, and you know, we'll we'll see what happens there with him. And we'll, uh, I don't know. A lot to be learned uh, I, from I, that I, draft pick, I think, to be honest with you, because there were so many people that were talking about Polite, um, you know, at that time prior to the draft, uh, about how explosive he was as an edge rusher. And uh, there was a lot of people that put a first-round grade on him, but it was just right after the combine. Uh, you know, that's when a lot of teams got bad taste in their mouth about him, and he just kept plummeting and everything like that. But you know, there, apparently something McCagnan saw in him that nobody else did, and he decided to take a gamble on that. And, um, you know, decisions like that is the reason why he McCagnan's not with us anymore. Yeah, and, and, and I thought that was funny because um, they uh, – if you remember, there was a rumor during the season that um, Adam Gase was a big Ja'Kai Polite in the war room on draft day, big polite guy. And – I, I, I'm not buying Adam Gase's story on this, and, and we know I'm not a Gase fan, but you know I do try to be consistent and fair and objective. Uh, with Gase, it always sounds like I'm negative because I'm just talking about his performance. But uh, they asked him if he was in favor of drafting Ja'Kai Polite on draft day, and he was like, oh, I don't remember. I don't know. Like, like dude, you, you, you get to do this <laughs> one time a year where you pick like six or seven guys, and every one of those guys is like, you fight and argue and brawl in the war room for who you want because rarely are these guys unanimous, you know, that everybody wants them. And when they asked Adam Gase, you know, were, were you a big proponent of drafting Ja'Kai Polite? I don't remember. I don't know. I can't remember what I was doing that day. I might not have even been in the building. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't buying that for a second. Um, you know, even if he would have said, uh, you know, I felt like there were some good things, but there were some red flags, like then you can buy it. But when a head, I don't head coach, GM, anybody in an NFL war room who says they can't remember what they were thinking while a player was being picked, that means that guy sucked and you wanted him. Um, but anyway, he's gone. I think we've done enough about Ja'Kai Polite for the night. Um, and I did want to get into the, uh, the, the linebackers and cover those, the linebacker depth chart. Um, but Manish Mehta should be calling in in a little bit. And I want, this is something I want to do real quick, Alex. Um, I don't want to do it with Manish on the air 
because you know Manish is, is kind enough to come on the show, but I can guarantee you he's not uh, he's not spending his evenings listening to every minute of the show. Um, he doesn't hear anything before he calls in, and sure he doesn't hear anything after he hangs up. Um, so I didn't want this to come across as like uh, you know me me trying to trying to kiss Manish's ass or anything like that. Pardon the language, but I wanted to point out a couple things that I I, I went and did did a little re, a little research, and uh, because of this this sort of this narrative of how you know, no sources for Maida, and he's making it all up, and he gets lucky, and blah, blah, blah. And I went back and looked up some of the things he sent out that I couldn't find any other writer having. So it's kind of like clearly, you know, this stuff is getting to Maida from somebody in the building because he's the only one that has it. And then other guys, you know, a reporter, will say, and, and they all do this. You know, it could be Costello, it could be Samini, anybody. They send out a tweet. And then, like, the next five local guys all tweet out that they have confirmed that through a source. Like, but they don't break the story. They just have to jump on, and, and they can't not report it, even though they didn't break it. But I went back and looked. And so, so if the narrative is that, you know, Manish Mehta has no sources, he was the guy who broke the McGovern signing. Um, he was the first guy that I saw who said Robbie was gone. He was the first guy I could find that reported Alex Lewis staying. Um, also, the Luke, when Luke Falk was filing his complaint against the team, Manish had that first. Um, now, the, the Le'Veon Bell thing, Manish said he was on the trade block. Everyone said, oh, you're making up stories, blah, blah, blah. And then Bell comes out and says he was told that teams were calling. Like, the, the Jets were talking to teams about Bell. Nobody else had that. And even up until this week, the Logan Ryan thing, no one was talking about Logan Ryan. I mean, several weeks ago, there were whispers. Oh, maybe the Jets are interested. Maybe they, should make, you know, maybe they should make a call. But nobody was saying this is a thing that's ongoing or happening right now and could happen. Um, and then once Manish tweeted that out, people jumped on and, you know, Samini and others said, yes, I've confirmed it. I've confirmed what Manish said. Again, that thing they do. Um, I mean, if you missed this one, the story a couple weeks ago, which was absolutely, well, a couple months ago now, whenever it was, absolutely phenomenal. The up and down sort of breakdown of how the Jets had revamped their scouting system, which was then corroborated later by other reporters who referenced it um, in some of their stories. Um, So this isn't like, it's not like, you know, someone saying, oh, well, uh, Manish has an inside source because he's the one that broke the story about the fact that the Jets would be wearing all green this Sunday. Like, these are major, major player transactions um, that, like I said, I went back and found the tweets, and he was first on a ton of them. Um, even there was the, uh, the, the McGovern one. The first tweet I found was Connor Hughes of the Atlantic, or the Athletic, saying, you know, um, McGovern signing with the Jets as first reported by Manish Mehta. So uh, th- that, that's the intrigue for me with Manish, is that um, we see so much, you know, he has no sources, he has no sources, he's, he's making stuff up. Like, how many things can you make up and get right? Um, and, and the biggest thing, one of the biggest stories, and I, I remember this one well, Alex, because I was talking to someone, I was talking to someone about it um, as it was unfolding, and somebody told me, they're like, oh, you're being a conspiracy theorist. You're, there's no, you're reading too much into this. Uh, a couple years ago, when the Jets fired John Morton, if you remember, that happened at a super weird time. That was well into the offseason when teams had made their decisions on hiring and firing and retaining coordinators and coaches, 
And guys were gone. Like, all, everything was dead. And then all of a sudden, a couple tweets, you know, from Manish. And I, and I saw them, and I thought, it sounds like Manish is suggesting that John Morton's going to get fired in the next couple of days, which was weird. Because I was like, A, how does a story that big only get to one guy? And B, why is it happening now? Like, this is certainly not the time of year to be guessing on something that huge. And, uh, and I talked it out with somebody who said I was being a conspiracy theorist and I was reading too much into it. And I think it was 24, 48 hours later, John Morton was fired. Um, and I still, you know, I still see, e- even at that time, people are like, oh, he was lucky. I'm like, lucky? Like, like three quarters of the way through the offseason when everyone else still has a job and no one's being hired and fired, he just kind of randomly guesses within a 48-hour window that the offensive coordinator is about to be fired? I mean, come on. Um, so that's going back a few years. And for those of you who remember, Manish was kind of the first one to say, you know, Jets fans need to open their eyes a little bit because uh, this, this Mo Wilkerson guy may not be the best, uh, best locker room guy in the league. And people killed him for that. Mo's an example. He's, you know, he's, he's the guy that you want to build around. And so much for all that. But um, like I said, Manish will be calling in a little bit. I just want to get all that. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on some of that briefly while he's on. But I didn't want to say, hey, here's Manish Maida and, and here's all the all of the scoops that he's gotten and things he's predicted. And he was right about this, 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 and this, because that's just, that's kind of, you know, that's not what this is about. This is just me saying, how in the world can a guy be not plugged in and break that many stories? Um, it's just, again, if, you know, any writer, there, there are writers that I prefer. So I prefer some to others, but, um, but, but to just kind of, uh, you know, imply that there's no, uh, there's no inside info being fed to him is, is a little bit, you know, insane. Uh, but before he, before he comes on, he should be coming on sometime in the next five, 10 minutes. But we'll get started, Alex. I wanted to break down the linebacker position tonight on this depth chart, uh, mainly because it, it's, it's so, so many guys were added this offseason. And I mean, what, what, just break it down. What, what, you know, what, what are your thoughts, Alex? As, as much as you can get in here before, uh, before Manish calls in, Oh, and never mind. There he is. So it's, as soon as we're done with Manish, Alex, we will start with your, with your analysis of the, the linebacker depth chart. But uh, joining us now on Jet Nation Radio, Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. Uh, Manish, how you doing? I'm good, Glenn. How you doing? Or as good as I'm, I can be. <laughs> how you doing? Yeah, yeah. Wild times. I just, just as we, got, we came live here, I was saying... Uh, I was saying how Alex here, my co-host, was was, you know, busy at work. He works with shipping and trying to coordinate shipments of hand sanitizer across the country, and it really is just a crazy, crazy time to be alive. Um, but so yeah, Manish, as we discussed briefly, I, I shot you a quick message. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, a combination both hilarious and sad. The the outrage the Jets fans seem to have over this Logan Ryan situation where you basically, from my estimation, uh, sent out a tweet saying a source told you he liked the Jets' chances of landing the guy, and, and people lost their minds and said that you promised them Logan Ryan and how could you do this to us? Um, and <laughs> and this, is, this is now officially proof, Manish, that, you don't, you know, that you're just making up more stories because he didn't sign that, that very minute. Um, I mean, you, you must laugh at this, right? Otherwise, you just pull your hair out. Uh, I, I think it's comical on some level. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not in a position, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective 
to make any promises to, to Jet fans one way or the other. But, uh, you know, look, I can just tell you what I've been told. Uh, actually, a month ago, I reported that the Jets had internal discussions about increasing their available cash pool to potentially sign Logan Ryan. So their interest level in him you know, dates back uh, you know, several weeks. And uh, then last week, early in the week, uh, and I don't remember if it was a Monday or Tuesday, uh, I reported that the Jets believe that they're going to have Logan Ryan for 2020. So they're going to have Logan Ryan on a one-year deal. And uh, my understanding as of right now is that that sentiment ne- hasn't necessarily changed. There's still people in the organization who still believe that Logan Ryan will be a New York Jet this season. Now, uh, one thing to keep in mind, and it's fairly obvious, but uh, you know, I guess I shouldn't take anything for granted, uh, it does take two parties to, to make a deal happen. Uh, the fact that the, the the people in the Jet organization believe that they're going to get him uh, is great, and it's obviously a prerequisite to getting a deal done. But I can't get into Logan Ryan's head, and uh, yeah, I know that Jet fans saw Logan Ryan on uh, NFL Network last week, in which uh, he said that coming to the Jets would make sense, given the fact that he is from New Jersey which I actually had forgotten about. I knew he went to Rutgers, but uh, didn't even realize, I guess, until after the fact that he's uh, from New Jersey. Uh, but regardless, uh, he said that that would be a good fit, but he's keeping his options open. I think he said he's open for business. I'm paraphrasing it, but something similar to that. And then there were reports from the NFL Network, and I believe the Miami Herald, maybe some other places down in Miami as well, that the Dolphins – we're also in the mix. So, uh, again, look, I can't speak to what Logan Ryan is thinking. I can just tell you uh, that the information I got uh, from a team perspective was that the Jets felt pretty good about getting him. And, uh, you know, whether that happens or not, uh, I guess, is TBD. But when I reported that information, that was when I found out. I subsequently found out that they had felt pretty good for quite a while. But, uh you know, uh, I got some clarity in just how they viewed this player and how they viewed their prospects of getting this player a week ago. So, you know, again, it's not my job to make any kind of promises. I can't, you know, interpret my stories for people. I can just write them uh, based on the information that I have. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I'll just leave it at that. You know, I know exactly what I wrote. I, I know exactly, you know, if you, if you read the story, uh the story clearly is centered on the New York Jets believing that they will sign Logan Ryan for one year. And again, as of today, as of right now, uh, you know, I don't think that necessarily has changed. And I, I, I think Manish, at this point, the Jets may just be waiting him out, make an offer, wait him out. But, but again, getting back to the, the sort of the fan reaction to, uh, you being a, a high-profile guy working for the Daily News, you, you know, you've been there for some time now, and, I've, you know, you, you're going to break stories, you're going to get scoops, but you're, you're not always going to hit. Sometimes, you, sometimes the source is going to be wrong, sometimes circumstances can change. And so, so what's your – I mean, for example, uh, you know, I know from, from reactions from people on Twitter, uh, the number of times that I see you break a story that turns out to be true – um, but people come at you with like, you know, you said McCagnan wasn't getting fired. You said he was 100% staying. Is this just an example of where a source is wrong or, or less than honest or a circumstance changes? And Because why in the world would you come out and say, you know, adamantly, this isn't happening? 
if someone hasn't assured you that that is the case, because of course that's that you know that you want to make sure your credibility is intact by by not coming out so strong for something that ends up not being correct. But but is this just a source getting something wrong or not having all the information? Uh, well, what I'll say about McCagnan, and I do have to correct you, I did not say it was a hundred percent. Uh, not going to happen. I, I actually said it was 200% that it wasn't going to happen. So uh, I, yes, was yes. <laughs> I, I, I was fairly confident. I was confident. Try, I tried uh, to help you out there by saying it was only 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, I, I think uh, I have been pretty transparent over the past year now because McCagney was fired in May, right, the, of 2019. So it's it's been you know, about, about a year. Uh, I've been pretty transparent in countless interviews that I've done over the last year, uh, that uh, that was wrong. I was wrong. I, you know, I, and when I say I'm wrong, uh, you know, it's it's easy for a reporter to say, well, I wasn't wrong. The source was wrong, and that is in effect what happened. The, this, I don't think the source was wrong. I think I was led astray, but that's probably a different discussion for a different time, many years down the road uh, when I'm retired. And even then, I'm not sure I would ever disclose exactly what happened. But uh, the bottom line, uh, at least from my perspective, I don't want to necessarily speak on other reporters' behalves when it comes to any story. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for 20-plus years. I, I take great pride in working hard and uh, being as thorough as possible. And I think uh, if you talked to people in and around the NFL and in and around uh, the Jets specifically, people who currently work for the Jets, people who worked for the Jets in the past, uh, I think that they will you know, tell you that I, I'm pretty thorough. And uh, I, I take, as I said before, I take great pride in my work ethic. It's one of the things that, I, that means the most to me. And... Uh, as you said, you're you're not going to bat a thousand, as evidenced by this, you know, the story that you you brought up uh, regarding Mike McCagnan's firing. But uh, yeah, I, I you know I tend to believe, uh, you know, without singling out other reporters, I tend to believe that reporters don't make anything up. Uh, you know, maybe they get some bad information, uh, but I, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that reporters don't make things up because you know history has shown that you know there are reporters that do i just tend to think uh you know that uh, that's uh, an aberration you know I, I think the great majority of reporters you know get information that they have and they trust uh and then sometimes it's not always right all that being said glenn uh i think uh that i would gladly put my record uh covering the jets up with anybody uh over the the past you know 10 years i've been with the daily news uh, you know, I was working at the Star Ledger, covering the Jets uh, as a backup for you know, you know, maybe three to five years prior to that. So you know, we're talking about a decade and a half covering this team, and I would gladly put up my track record against anyone who has covered this team. I think I've done a pretty darn good job, and I'm proud of uh, a lot of stories that I've written and reported on. But uh, you know. People are going to say what they're going to say. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I've, I've got, I've got eighty thousand followers on social media. I can't spend. You have I think to, I every one of them, Manish. You you need to answer I, every single one of them. I, you are accountable. I don't have the time. I don't have the you time. You are accountable to everyone on Twitter. Yeah, I don't have the time, energy, or inclination, frankly, to repeat myself over and over for a, a lot of different stories. Frankly, I don't. You know, these are people that I don't know. Uh, 
and Glenn, as you know, if, if you ever meet me and talk to me in person, I will gladly have a conversation about anything jet-related. I have no problem with that. But when you're, you know, you're in a social media setting, you don't know who exactly you're talking to. You don't really remember if you've had conversations with this person in the past. You don't know what their motivations are. And uh, and again, I could literally spend all day, every day, responding to people. And uh, that's not productive because that's not really part of my job. My job is to to do the best I can reporting what's happening with the New York Jets, uh, whether that's good news, whether that's critical news, whether that's stuff fans want to hear, or whether that's stuff that some fans might necessarily not want to hear. You know, I just have to be objective as possible, and I know that people think that, uh, you, know, uh, some, you know, depending on who you ask, you know, some people will say that I work for the Jets. You know, Buffalo Bills fans tell me that <laughs> virtually, you know, virtually every day, and then some people think that I'm a hater, and then some people think I'm a Sam Darnold, uh, you know, fan club, fanboy. So I get it from all angles. I hear everything, uh, you know, consistently, and uh, all I ask is, uh, you know, understand that I put a lot of work and a lot of effort into my reporting. And if you disagree with something, I, I will listen. I will gladly listen to it if you bring something, you know, to the table and give me some specific reasons why you don't like it. I, I find a lot, and maybe you find this too, Glenn. Uh, but like, if you write a story and post a story, and then someone says something within five minutes of you posting it, you know they didn't read the story. So they're just responding <laughs> to a tweet headline, or they're just responding to something else because they're not responding to what the actual reporting was. Because if they took the time, the few minutes it actually takes to read a story, uh, they would have their answers. Yeah, obviously on a on a far smaller scale than you deal with but i i do see times where i you know i you write something and you you know there's uh, an angle that someone will take so you address that within the story but they just assume you didn't and they just reply and say well what about this say well if you read the story you'll see that addressed in there uh but anyway enough about the uh the maniacs on twitter manish um i, I did mention at the top um or a, a little while ago some of the stuff you've broken um, and but of late, really, the the piece on the the Jets restructuring of their draft system, um, even though it's an older story because the draft is gone, uh, it is it, you know it pertains to future drafts. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, give it a look. But Manish, today you um, you did a story breaking down the and and I have to get this in in little morsels as I as I can put together because as I've explained before over here in uh, in England, in Europe, uh, the Daily News not available. So until something posts to Facebook. I've got to piece together the tweets, but you did a piece breaking down the Jets undrafted free agent class and the signing bonus each player was given. So do you want to touch on that? And, and I did, I, you know, the last couple of times over the last couple of years we've had you on, you do seem to have a pretty good feel for which players the team is leaning toward keeping, um, even without, even with the money point, money piece being put aside. But uh, what are your thoughts on the guys they've brought in and what are you hearing in terms of what they think of some of these players? Well, it's unusual because now typically is the time for these undrafted free agents to uh, get the attention of the coaches because that's what all this is about for undrafted guys. They need to make some hay during this voluntary off-season program, during the OTAs. And, you know, we always talk about, well, how much can you learn from guys in T-shirt and shorts? Well, a coach, you know, Adam Gase for offense, Greg Williams for defense, can learn a, a lot about an undrafted guy that, frankly, they didn't, probably know much if anything about i mean these guys that were signed these nine undrafted players that were signed is essentially a joe joe uh, douglas and company production it's the front office i mean these are the players 
that the personnel, staff, the scouts spent a lot of time uh, looking at uh, over the past year and a half, maybe even longer. And these are not players that Greg Williams or Adam Gase uh, studied closely. So, you know, they're they're relying on the personnel staff to to add these these pieces, and then from there, the coaches will get a good look at how these guys learn in the classroom. They'll get a good feel for how they apply what is learned in the classroom, on the practice field, in drills, uh, even if they are in shorts. So that's why this lost time is extremely detrimental to a lot of these guys uh, that are brought in across the league who are undrafted. Now, that being said, the Jets got nine guys in, and if you know, in this particular off season, the investment that they made in uh, a few of these guys uh, will carry some weight because these are players who will, in, in all likelihood, be on the team. Whether that means making the roster, or whether that means you know getting cut, and uh, hopefully for the Jets, kind of sliding through waivers and then being brought back to uh, the practice squad, you know that remains to be seen. But the money tells you a lot. You know, we and the, the common, you know, the common phrase is follow the money. I think in this particular off season for undrafted free agents, that holds true, uh, probably to the nth degree. And that's why a guy like uh, Bryce Huff, an undrafted edge rusher from Memphis, who was extremely productive in college. I mean, this guy put up some some numbers. He had 16 sacks and 34 and a half tackles for loss in the last two years in college. So uh, he was, you know, extremely successful at the college level, he's undersized. I mean, there's questions about whether he can develop more than, you know, one explosive move off the edge. He's got, you know, he's got a lot of athleticism and explosion, and those are the good traits. The Jets essentially guaranteed $90,000, which, you know, when it comes to athletes, is, in NFL athletes, is, you know, probably not that much. But relatively speaking, you know, this was the most money guaranteed that the Jets gave to any of the nine undrafted players. And it is at a position in an area of need, as every Jet fan knows. So and he's a guy that bears watching whenever the, the players come back on the field because they, they will have a training camp of some sort, uh, maybe an abbreviated camp, who knows. But uh, he's a guy that, that you should really keep an eye on. The next guy who got paid the next uh, highest amount was a bit surprising simply because of the position. He's a defensive back at Alabama, Shaheem Carter. Uh, he's, uh, he's built like a corner. He's 5'11", about a buck ninety-five, but he's probably better suited as a safety. Uh, my understanding is that the Jets really you know, like his football IQ. And uh, uh, you know, that you know that goes a long way when you're playing for Greg Williams. I think he values that, uh, as as all coaches do. But in order to play in a Greg Williams style of defense, it's, it is complicated, and you get a lot of smart guys who played for Nick Saban. I think uh, you know that that can only help you if you're trying out for a Greg Williams defense. So uh, you know Carter's a guy who got seventy-two thousand uh, dollars. You know, relatively a decent amount less than the ninety thousand that Huff got. But those are the top two guys in terms of. Uh, total commitment, guaranteed commitment uh, from the Jets. Uh, every restricted, uh, under, I'm sorry, every undrafted free agent gets the same deal. It's a three-year, $2.3 million deal, but that doesn't really mean anything because the guaranteed money for these guys especially is what matters most, and the signing bonus, you know, all that stuff up front matters most. So, you know, Carter and Huff were the guys that got paid the most. The, the offensive player who got paid the most was a Washington offensive tackle. I'm sure you've talked about him in the past, uh, Jared Hilbers. Interesting player. He's got a basketball pedigree from high school, played both the left and the right side. 
the left side originally when Trey Adams, who was believed at one point in the past to be a potential first rounder, when he got hurt, Hilbers, who was a swing tackle, came in, played the left side for the entire 2018 season, and then he moved over to the right side last year. So he's got experience on both sides. He's 6'6", 310. Uh, again, he's a project, but he's athletic and a guy who uh, I know that the Jets would like to you know, stick around and see, you know, see what he does in terms of development. Yeah, I think Hilbers is a guy who you know they're going to like because of the uh, the versatility. He looks on film. I went back and watched a couple of his games. Looks like he's technically sound. He's a guy who needs to get a little bit stronger. But um, one thing that people, as much as Jets fans loved this draft, Manish, uh, one criticism we heard from quite a few areas, and even if not a criticism, just sort of a people were a little bit surprised the Jets went so light at receiver in what people consider a historically deep class. Um, you want to talk a little bit about the two undrafted receivers they picked up and, you know, and, and your thoughts with those, with those two guys, there is some injury history, but some interesting tools to work with. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm with those fans. I thought the Jets should have invested uh, uh, at least one more pick in, uh, in a wide receiver in addition to Mims. Uh, now look, Lawrence Cager from Georgia, a guy who really spent the bulk of his college career at Miami before transferring to Georgia in his final year. He's the guy that, has a real opportunity to stick around. He's got the size. He's about six four, six five, two twenty. But uh, you know, as you touched on, uh, he's one of those guys in which durability is a real question. Uh, he's a guy who suffered an ACL injury uh, last year. I think he, he missed some time with a shoulder injury. He had some rib issues as well. So uh, you know, health is a is a real question, I and mean, there's a reason why he wasn't drafted. But uh, he does have you know he does have some size to him. He's got some good girth. And uh, he got some good experience playing with a good college quarterback in Jake Fromm last year. So uh, there's some potential there. Uh, yeah, I, I would tend to think that the Jets would like to keep him around. Uh, probably practice squad. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, again, I, I can't tell you right now if he's a guy who can slide through waivers or not or if he does impress in, in training camp, if, if they would even consider, uh, you know, keeping him as their their last wide receiver. You know, I, I, I don't know that. I, I just know that he does have some promise. You know, he did some good things in Miami, but health is not something that you can completely dismiss with him. It's a, you know, it's a real concern, and uh, it's something that uh, if he doesn't make the team, that's probably uh, that's probably going to factor in. Uh, maybe uh, there's not enough trust there. But again, I don't think that Adam Gase uh, knows that much more about him than what he's been told, right, from his scouts, because. I, I doubt that he's seriously invested. In fact, I'm pretty sure he hasn't seriously invested a lot of time, uh, you know, looking at uh, Cager's college film. Well, now George Campbell is another guy from West Virginia. Uh, he's an, uh, he's also a, a transfer. Uh, now, keep in mind that now the Jets only gave him a $2,500 signing bonus. There was only one player in that group of nine undrafted free agents who got less. So uh, he's a long shot to, to make it. I, I would think that. Again, this unusual offseason would make it very difficult for him to stick around. Uh, you know, his best bet would be, I think it's fair to say, his best bet would be uh, as a practice squad player. But he was really good before he transferred to West Virginia. He was uh, at Florida State. Uh, you know, he's he's also got size and speed. Uh, tremendous athlete come out of high school. I know, you know, a lot of guys could probably say that. But uh, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school and, uh you know, he does have some tools, but, you know, 
I don't want to oversell this and say that he's going to be some kind of dynamic presence for the Jets. He just has, you know, he's got he's got some good tools. He's got a you know pretty solid resume coming out of college. But uh, I think if you're being honest and objective about what his chances are, uh, when you even factor in the minimal financial investment the Jets made, I think you know practice squad would be the ceiling for him. Hey, Manish, is Alex here, and thanks again for having us on here. Um, while we're talking about the offense, uh, a lot of people are curious about how uh, this offensive line is going to, to pan out. And um, it looks like there's going to be a lot of competition with a lot of new bodies here. But uh, I want to focus in on the tackles here because um, we do seem to have quite a few now. Uh, what do you think the probability is of Chuma Doga beating out Fant, and is there a possibility that he becomes the most uh, overpaid backup tackle in, in the NFL? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, you know, obviously, barring injury, assuming all these guys stay healthy in training camp, uh, Joe Douglas believes a lot in George Fant. I would be very surprised if George Fant is not a starter whether that's uh, Darnold's blindside protector or whether that's on the right side with Becton being on the left side, uh, who knows? Uh, it's it's too early for anyone to know that. It's too early, frankly, for the Jets to know that right now. Uh, what I do know is that Fant has you know, said publicly that uh, he feels more comfortable on the left side. Now, he's ultimately not going to have a choice in the matter. <laughs> that's going to be an Adam Gase uh, decision, and, and that should be you know the coach's decisions. Uh, but uh, the Jets – did not draft Mekhi Becton at the number 11 spot to be the long-term answer at right tackle. Uh, they they drafted him where they drafted him to be the long-term answer at left tackle. That doesn't mean that Becton can't play on the right side as a rookie and then flip over to the left. I, I'm just telling you that uh, you know the idea when they drafted him was that Darnold would be protected on the blind side for the next decade plus. Uh, so where does that leave Indoga? That's a good question. I mean, Indoga, you know, he's an athletic player. He's got good feet. I think, I don't know if it was Gase or, or Douglas, you know, they have talked about his athleticism. And now that being said, anybody who watched Jet games last year uh, knows that Indoga had his fair share of struggles. Uh, I don't think it's particularly smart to give up on a player that quickly, you know, invested a, what, a third-round pick in him. And he does have physical skills, so I, I think it would be a mistake to give up on him. Uh, I think there's a decent chance that in 2021 the starting left tackle could be Becton and the starting right tackle could be Indoga with Fant being the swing tackle or Fant not even being on the team because the way that Fant's three-year contract was structured, there is a relatively easy escape hatch for the Jets after 2020. So, in effect, it could end up being a one-year nine million dollar deal for Fant. Uh but that's you know, that's partly up to him, right? If he plays really well, they'll stick around, he'll see the second second year of his deal. If not, they can they can cut ties with you know relatively minimal financial damage. So uh I guess it's a roundabout way of me answering your question saying, is it possible that Fant a backup? I, I guess it's possible. I just think that you know based on the information that I have, uh the talent evaluator, evaluators in the organization really like Fant and believe that uh, you know, he, has a, he has an excellent chance of being a starter, whether that's the left or right side, in 2020. All right, that is Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. Manish, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it, as always. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Be well.
Thanks, Manish. All right, so that was Manish made of the New York Daily News uh, and a good sport for coming on because I basically said I reached out said, hey, call in and we're going to we're going to ask you about these tweets that haven't worked out for you um, because people, you know, people love to jump all over it and kind of give them an opportunity to to explain and say, look, you know, this is this is what happens sometimes people don't uh, you know, for some reason, there are folks who don't seem to, to understand that, that, um, you know, you, reporters can get some some info from a source that changes or or you know just turns out to be wrong for whatever reason but anyway moving moving on moving along alex i know we said we cover linebackers but i I did want to cover you asking about george fant reminded me of this um you know when the jets first signed him i remember going back and watching a couple of his games and i went and looked at some of his his grades with pff and see you know where they have him and he had you know he had some really strong grades sort of later in the season kind of week 11 12 13 14 in there um, and I and I didn't again. I, I watched the games where he had the, the highest number of snaps, so I can get a, a long look at him. Uh, I want to say I watched him against Cleveland, and I uh, watched him against San Francisco. Uh, but it, I didn't. This was something I'd seen at that time because I was looking for the games where he played, you know, a ton of snaps. But I didn't realize till I looked at it again the other day when I wanted to go back and look at the San Fran game again, just how often. Um. He was basically, because, you know, you, you look at his numbers from last season, it says he had seven starts. So you think, okay, he must have been a spot starter, some injuries, uh, you know, this, that, the other. And not really the case. Um, he was credited with seven starts. He only played every snap three times last year. Um, some of these games he started, it was kind of, you know, he started, maybe Seattle came out in a jumbo package and he was lined up at tight end for the first play. And that gets put down as a start. Um, for example, I saw that he started against the Rams. So I said, oh, let me go watch that game and see how he played. He played seven snaps. That was it. He played seven snaps. Then he started the next couple weeks. Uh, then he gets Minnesota. He started several weeks later. Uh, played 42 snaps, which is, you know, a little over half. And then the following week, he's credited with another start against the Rams. So they, I thought, okay, Fowler, you know, decent pass rusher. Let's, have, let's see how he did against him. 13 snaps. Um, so really, the Jets paid a lot of money for a guy who truly and honestly last year had three starts. Against the Browns, the Ravens, and the 49ers, he played every snap. Every other game was often sort of between 20 and 30% of the snaps. And it wasn't, unless I'm mistaken, it wasn't a lot different in 2018 where he only had one game. Well, actually, one game he played every snap. There was another game he played 99% of snaps. Um, Other than that, he had five other games where he was listed as a starter where he played 38%, 26%, 47%, and 59% of snaps, and 32%. This is all for from pro football reference, by the way. So this is a guy that you can look and say, oh, okay, he had seven or eight starts last year. Eh, he really had one or two games start to finish. Um, that, I mean, Alex, I'm not sure if you're aware of that, and I just missed it, or if it's something you didn't catch on to either um, after he was signed. 
Does that make you rethink? Does that make you any more surprised that that George Fant got the money he did, knowing that he's really only played five or six full games in the last couple seasons? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the first thing that kind of came to me uh, is that this guy got starters money and um, has been primarily in a reserve backup kind of role since he came into the league. So a lot of inexperience there. And, uh, you know, I was a little unsure of what the Jets were going to do when they came into the draft. A lot of people felt confident with Fant at left and Adoga at right. And people were thinking that we were going to go with like a a Jerry Judy or um, a C.D. Lamb with our first pick overall. But, you know, I'm glad that we did go with Becton there because we needed a, a mountain of a man to protect the blind, the blind side. So yeah, I, from when I saw the signing, I said, well, that kind of money, this guy's got to get a, you know, a starting gig or at least an opportunity to do so. Uh, but it did seem pretty odd because he wasn't on a lot of people's radars. Um, you know, we didn't really talk about him. At, I don't think at all uh, during the off season uh, when the free agency before that hit. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, we were talking a lot about, you know, do the Jets go for an older left tackle, you know, like a Peters or um, Whitworth, who's the other old guy that we, yeah, Whitworth or like, you know, somebody of that nature. And, and, and do they try to grab a tackle and throw them on the right side for one year and then have the ball switch over? And we kind of felt like that plan got thrown out the window when they brought in Sam. And after rumors of Conklin and the Jets are really loving Adoga, really hard to, to put a, our thumb on what, what the direction that they were going to go. But at $10 million, it really does seem like he is being, uh, you know, projected to be a starter on this team. You know, I don't know if this all pans out to where maybe he ends up being a guard and, and Adoga does get the right side, and maybe that's the best um, offensive line that we can move forward with. Not 100% sure on that, but, yeah, it kind of seems what – the way the contract is laid on the table here is that he's going to have some sort of role, a significant role uh, for this year. All right, Alex. So let's, let's wrap things up by, um, and and it won't be a quick wrap up because there's so many, so many guys to cover, but um, let's take a look at the linebackers. Um, I know for me personally, one of the more exciting things about this season is that if all goes according to plan, the Jets will have C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson back in the middle of that defense, um, which reminds me, one of our uh, one of our listeners tweeted in a question asking if the Jet and it pertains to those guys. Um, will the Jets have one of the top defensive interiors in the NFL? So when you're saying Quinn and Williams with Steve McClendon or Foley Fadakasi up front in the middle, and then Williamson and Mosley, an inside linebacker with May and Adams, maybe a little bit of Davis mixed in at safety. Is that one of the best up-the-middle defenses in the NFL? And I think absolutely. I mean, you're talking all-pro safety in Jamal Adams. You're talking all-pro linebacker in Mosley. And then the guys that play alongside them, May and Williamson, they may not be all-pros, but they are damn good players. And then we saw what a dominant force Foley Fadakasi can be last year. I'm expecting big things from Quinn and Williams in year two. And, and then, of course, uh, you know, the man himself, Steve McClendon. I think up the middle, this defense can be absolutely phenomenal. Um, w- what are your thoughts there? And then we'll jump back exclusively onto the linebackers, Alex. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if it's if it's proven. And uh, thank you, Hakeem, for your question. Um, I don't know if it's proven that they're the best up the middle um, in the league. Um, I'm pretty sure that you could probably make an argument that, uh, you know, the Rams have a pretty, pretty strong uh, middle of their defense. And, um, you know, I, I don't even think that you have to have premier players at middle linebacker or safety when you have, you know, Aaron Donald as the guy up front. So um, there's probably a lot of other teams that are, that are, comparable to what we have, but I think potential that we have in those particular positions could possibly end up being one of the strongest uh, teams up the middle of the defense for sure. Um, Especially with the Quinn and Williams factor, if he decides to show um, any sort of uh, resemblance of what we saw, you know, him dominating in, in Alabama, then, then of course, you know, this will be considered one of the top, your defenses uh, moving forward in the league. Uh, so again, yeah, thank I, you, uh, Hakeem, for uh, sending your question, and that was a good one. Yeah, and and I had mentioned if if you go back and watch uh, the Week 14 game against Miami, to probably to a lesser degree against Cincinnati late in the season, uh, Quinn and Williams did have a nice finish to the season. Um, but let's, we actually did have another question from Rich in uh, North Carolina. Rich, who I've had the, I had the pleasure of meeting Rich a couple times. He's a, a loyal poster on Jet Nation and the forums. Um, he wanted to know, you know, do we see any chance with the addition of Gore with the, you know, hoping that Herndon and Griffin are healthy? Is there a chance we see more sort of double tight end and and power run game from the Jets this year, given the fact that the, there is a lack of depth at the wide receiver position. Could the Jets sort of lean heavily on a power run game and what we expect to be a strong defense? Do you think that's a realistic, uh, uh, you know, possibility, Alex? Uh, you know, I guess from what we were working with last year, uh, not having Herndon in the mix, um, you know, I recently read that the Jets ran like 64% of their offense out of 11 personnel, which is one tight end and three wide receiver set. So I think with Herndon coming back into the mix and having a guy like Gore spelling bell, um, you know, who idea and concept of what Adam Gase is trying to do on a run scheme factor uh, yeah, I think a power, you know, power play here or, or you know, power scheme could be, uh, you know, probably something that we see a little bit more of. Um, but I think history tells that Gase is pretty um, uh, firm and uh, kind of uh, he's like a mule, you know what I mean? Like it, it's just hard for him to kind of divert and uh, adapt from his uh, from what he's been doing. Uh, historically, mm-hmm. so uh, I'd like to see a lot more 12 personnel and, and seeing combos of, of Herndon and Griffin on the field. I think that that would be really, really well for pass protection and improve our run game as well. So, yeah, I definitely would like to see that uh, for sure. All right. Sounds good. So back to the linebacker conversation here. So you're bringing back Williamson. You're bringing back Mosley. Um, but the, But the question that lingers there could there be a late move? You know, you talked about how surprised we were. Brian Winters is still around. Um, similar, but to a lesser degree, um, Avery Williamson. He was a guy the Jets could have let go of, saved six, seven million, coming off a major injury. And then I was kind of on the fence, like maybe they will, maybe they won't. Then they go out and they sign Patrick on out of, uh, or who had played previously with Baltimore alongside CJ Mosley. I thought that sealed Williamson's fate. 
but they're still around. And there's some depth at that inside linebacker group with, you know, Williamson, Mosley, Onswar, Neville Hewitt, of course, who played well last year, converted college safety, decent cover man, Blake Cashman, who we mentioned earlier, James Burgess played well, B.J. Bello is a guy who I've, who I've mentioned as a sort of a dark horse to find a way to stick on this roster. Um, those are the inside guys. Then, of course, you got Basham on the outside, who had a really stellar finish to the season last year on defense and special teams. Uh, Ahmad Gooden, we've not seen much of him. I don't know what their plan is for him, if he'll be an inside guy, outside guy. Of course, Jordan Jenkins, Harvey Lange, Frankie Louvu. Um, that's, that, that's a lot of guys. That's a lot of bodies. Um, what are your thoughts? Who are some of the guys who can surprise? Who are the guys that have no shot? Um, and, and, and who, you know, do you think Jordan Jenkins is a guy who sees another contract? Like, what does Jordan Jenkins have to do to get another deal from the Jets next season? Because you know he'll be at some point, he's going to want a long-term deal from somebody. Yeah, it's you know you could almost make your your own defense out of linebackers with the amount of people that they have at that at that position group. Um, you know, it's like are they trying to make some sort of an old-school NFL blitz-style uh, defensive formation here? Um, yeah, I guess this is one of those scenarios where. Uh, you know, you're trying to throw a bunch of things on the wall and see what sticks here. Um, you know, we all have, you know, the household guys uh, penciled in like Williamson and Jenkins and probably Basham and Mosley. You know, that'll probably be the four um, easiest guys to say that they're going to move forward with. Uh, and and it's definitely intriguing because I, c- I could see bringing back either Neville Hewitt or Burgess, but they brought back both. And then they went and they got this guy named Peanut, um, the on Wasor uh, from Baltimore and said that he played pretty darn well again uh, side by side with Mosley. So, excuse me. Uh, with all these these bodies here in the inside of the linebacker position, uh, if I had to be like a guessing man, maybe there's an Avery Williamson trade that could be possibly in the works sometime down the line. Uh, maybe not before the beginning of the season, maybe during training camp. Uh, maybe it'll happen, you know, before the trade deadline. Uh, I'm just not really sure um, exactly how this is going to work out. I know it's going to be uh, a hard time for Greg Williams to decide, you know, who he wants to go forward with. But, you know, if I were to say you know, a few guys that I could probably see uh, not making the squad or, or being benefactors at all, you know, I'd probably say, you know, even though he's a really, really nice guy, you know, Harvey Lange might be a guy that, you know, would probably be a casualty um, from having too many players at this position. Uh, maybe B.J. Bello, uh, probably another one. Um, I'm not too sure about the Ahmad uh, Gooden guy. I, I, I don't – I'm not familiar with him that much at all. But uh, I do kind of feel that, it, like, to answer your Jordan Jenkins question, if he wants to see himself in the Jets jersey next year – he's probably going to have to break that double-digit sack total this year. And I know he was extremely close to doing it last year, so I think that would probably be the best thing uh, for him to do in order to come back next year. And, you know, 10 sacks might get it done, but if he finds himself, like, in the 12 or 13 range, uh, I think it it has to happen. Um, You know, because having homegrown talent is, is definitely fun for the fans, and, you know, we like having, you know, draft picks kind of, finish their careers out. Um, that's always a good thing. And that means that they played well. 
so, you know, I'd love to see Jordan Jenkins, uh, you know, get a, his personal best this year in sacks. Did, you know, again, as we've said, there are just so many bodies at that position that the the competition is going to be fierce. I think it was surprising. It, it, it was, I mean, to see them bring back Hewitt and bring back Burgess and go get Ansoir. And, you know, again, you have Blake Cashman on the roster. Um, just a, a lot of bodies there, especially on the inside. But I did like the way Basham played late in the season last year. I think he's a guy that could potentially, you know, if if they're going to let, uh, if they're going to let, Jordan Jenkins walk after next year. Does he steal that spot? You know, and we didn't even mention Arby Huff. Uh, not Arby. He's an old Devil Rays player. God, getting my uh, getting getting my my Huffs confused. But you, you got to figure Bryce Huff is a guy who is uh, who's he's listed as a defensive end outside linebacker, which is why his name didn't even pop up when I pulled up the uh, the linebackers here. But he's another guy, and as you know, as Manish mentioned, a ninety thousand dollar bonus, biggest on the team. They they have to really like his chances of sticking around. So lots of bodies there to to, to work with, lots of guys to sort through. Uh, before we sign off, Jet Nation Radio would like to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. If you have a business to run and you're looking for somebody to manage all of your social media platforms, contact Mile Social at milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social.com. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Mile Social is dialed in to help your business cash in. Check them out at milesocial.com, M-I-L-E social.com. So big thanks to Miles Social. Big thanks to Manish Mehta. Alex, good to have you back, buddy. Hopefully uh, hopefully things keep, uh, you know, going the way they're going around the world. And, you know, we're, we're seeing some, some significant downtrends in a lot of places, but, uh, but still some hotspots popping up. So we are far from out of the woods. Uh, but thanks, uh, thanks again for for being able to come on and, 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 you know, busting your ass, getting this hand sanitizer, you know, across the, across the country. That is no small, no small chore. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll be back here next week. Alex, anything to add? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, definitely uh, excited. We're getting a little bit closer to that June 1st date. So we're going to get a little bit of money back and um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what moves could possibly be made by, by Joe Douglas in this front office here. I, I think that, we might be shocked within the next week or two. Uh, so let's uh, keep our eyes on the, on the Twitter feed and social media and see, see what's in store for us. Cause I, I think that something good is, is going to be right around the corner for this team. Um, I'm not, you know, breaking sources or anything like that. So don't hold me accountable, but uh, yeah, I have a good feeling that something good. Just is tweet happen it out. Just, in just, the next week just or think two. of, just think well of something now, that you, you know, would like to see happen and tweet it out and just say, uh, Source confirms Jets are in talks for whatever it may be, and you'll get like 8 million retweets and 1,000 questions asking you to expand on the story that you just made up. Um, and if you're nice, you'll expand it. Yeah, and just, you know, just, add, just add in a bunch of details. And, and uh, listen, it's 2020. People say whatever the hell they want, and everyone forgets about it 10 minutes later. So uh, that's the end of that. But uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. We really appreciate it, Jets fans. And, yeah, so maybe some cuts coming up in the uh, next couple of weeks. And the Jets will have a tiny bit of extra money because of the rookie cap pool. But uh, guys can be moved. Money can be freed up if somebody comes available who they like. So stay tuned, and we will catch you next week. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Memorial.
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!